From the Brooklyn Paper Building in downtown Brooklyn, this is Brooklyn Paper Radio. I'm your host, Vince DiMaselli. Along with me today, my deputy editor, Tony Rotuno. Tony, how's it going? Glad to be back. Of course, Jimmy or Johnny, our our guy on the board. That's right. How's everything going over there, Johnny? It's great. I get to be with the deputy and the chief. You say that every week. I love it. It's very exciting. Brooklyn Paper Radio. No, it's not, right? No, there's no better duo in this newsroom. I I love this town and everything about it. There you go. Brooklyn Paper Radio this week brought to you by Atlantic Bagel Company. What? Yeah, Atlantic Bagel Company. When in Monmouth County or somewhere out there in New Jersey, head over to Atlantic Bagel and have some delicious bagels and say hi to my dad. They are so good. They're all the rage here in Brooklyn across the Hudson River. You know how they did Atlantic Bagel Company? Tell me. You know why they came up with Atlantic Bagel Company? Does it have anything to do with Atlantic Avenue? No, nothing to do with Atlantic Avenue. It's a good guess. I think at some point they were saying that they made it with water from Brooklyn. Well... I think I had to write like the the birth story. What do they call that? The the origin, the origin story. story. The origin story of Atlantic Bagel Company many many years ago. And every time I go there, uh, to stop by. My son first of all loves to get the chicken salad sandwich on a bagel. Sounds delicious. He enjoys that. And then my dad asked me to fix the computers and all the cash registers, <laughs> or something like that. So there's never a dull moment at Atlantic Bagel Company. No, but Atlantic but you never get a bagel. Atlantic Bagel Company is, is ABC. No. Oh, well, there you see you how go. they did that? Yeah, that's a great little acronym. That's, that was the thinking back then. Now, my, my, my younger brother, he had a company. He did pools. Mm-hmm. And his company was called All Swimming Services. Another not, good name. Not as uh, child-friendly to abbreviate. Yeah, no, but he had bumper <laughs> stickers that said, I love ass. <laughs> All Swimming Services. It's catchy. It worked. It, I, I'm hey, sure he nobody the, forgot. He grew the business, Johnny. He grew the business. But it's very I impressive. I don't know if that's what we're here to talk about. Today. We're supposed to talk about things about Brooklyn and I think Craig Carton. That's right. I wanted to just jump in with a Craig Carton thing because you mentioned it last week. What did I mention? Well, he had his uh, podcast about Francesa, and I didn't know that until Mike, you mentioned it last Mike week. Mike Francesa. Mike Francesa, who left the airways at WFAN, where I was an intern I know. many, many years ago. Keep going. What do you got? So I heard you say it, and I was like, you know, it sounds interesting. I went to listen to it, and honestly, I think Craig Carton read the whole 50-minute radio show off of a piece of paper. That's how it sounded to me. You think it was scripted? The whole show. Just He just he typed out a whole thing, this is what I want to say, and then he just read it like from a teleprompter. Is that good or bad? I was a little disappointed, and I also want to say his sound quality, I was a little disappointed in that, too. Ours is better? Not to say ours is better. <laughs> just did, he, did he take any calls? No, not on that episode. Oh, he didn't take any phone calls. They not on that written episode. into the script. Does he know how to use a phone? Yeah. Now, he could use <laughs> a phone. And I, I bet he could put up some better sound quality, too. So I was just But what little... did you think of the show in general? I was taken aback by how scripted it sounded. It was like, it wasn't an honest... I wanted him to... If he's going to open up about his relationship with Mike Francesa, open up and talk about it. But it was just like... This is just all the issues. I wrote it all down so I didn't forget anything. Felt like I was just listening to him read a script. I well, I listened to the show and I didn't get that at all. So there you okay. go. I didn't get it at all. What'd you get? I thought it was a good show. Were you listening to the same show? Yeah, he only did. Yeah, he's doing. You know, Carton's in trouble. I don't know if you know anything about this. I, I not much. For only the, what for heard our in this listeners room. out there that don't know what happened with Craig Carton and for Tony, <laughs> <laughs> Craig Carton was the morning uh, morning jock. Uh, who worked with Boomer Esiason on WFAM, which is an all-sports radio station. Is he a here. shock jock? You could consider yeah. him kind of shock jock. Bit jockey. of a shock jock. But he was, you know, that's, you know, that's the, uh, 
That's the label they put on him. Sure. I don't, I'm, not, I'm not sure I believe it, but that's right. the label they put on him. But he was doing the show uh, for 10 years, and they were just celebrating mm-hmm. their 10th anniversary. And then one day I put on the show in the morning, because I used to listen, because I like Carton and I like Boomer. Really talented guy, Carton. I enjoyed listening to both of them, and uh, Carton more so than Boomer, by yeah, the way. But me too. I used to call it the Carton and Boomer show. There you go. I think we put that in the paper once. They used to have softball games out at, uh, at Fort... Uh, at uh, Fort Hamilton, oh. Chris Christie actually played in them, and we had photographers one thing I didn't there. Like about the show. And I used to call it the Carton and and Boomer Show on the on the uh, when we wrote about in the, the paper. paper by accident huh. by accident. Now you saw me doing that. Yeah, the air. There's some air quotes being thrown around. In Johnny, the put those right air quotes now. up. All right, put them up on. All so, right, so as the Carton reader, would say. So all right, all right. That's but <laughs> you know what? Carton. That, no, it was Carton doing uh, Mad Dog. Okay. So you got to yeah know yeah you, you got to go back know. a little bit further. So right? the point is, one day Boomer's on the show, and all of a sudden he's like, "Oh yeah, Craig's not here. We don't know where he is. My my partner's not here. We don't know where he is." And it, so it turned out, as they found out by the end of the show, Craig had been arrested uh, by fe- I don't know, was yeah, it was feds, it was the feds, the federal agents for a kind of Ponzi scheme with. Um, uh, with tickets for for shows like big shows. Oh, great. okay. And their their claim was that Carton was selling these tickets to pay off massive gambling debts. Hmm. Now the thing is, if you if you got gambling debts with you know Atlantic City, the hotels, the casinos, and stuff like that, nine times out of ten you can work that out. Especially a guy like Carton is probably making more than well more than six figures, possibly sure, seven sure. figures. You know, you work out something where you're going to pay him back. It's when you're dealing with you know. Other businesses sure, that are in the gambling some lo- business some loans. where, you know, you could get in trouble and now all of a sudden you're not paying bills and, and who knows? And who knows? But I don't know if that's what happened to Craig Carton. I don't know why he couldn't uh, work this out. I don't even know if he's guilty. All this we stuff. Know. It's all, this is all speculation. All a, but the fact of the matter is he stopped doing the radio show after that and now he has a podcast. And I happen to listen to the podcast, obviously, that Johnny's talking about. Otherwise, he would not have listened to it. Right, that's true. He right. heard me. You were the one who introduced him. To I, it. You know, so he and it was about Mike Francesa. And frankly, I thought the podcast was very interesting, and I thought he made some excellent points about how he saw WFAN uh, working and and the relationship between Mike Francesa and Carton, which was not a good one. Mm-hmm. But he saw that as good for ratings, whereas Francesa saw it as bad for ratings. And I think the the company as a whole sort of as, as bad for ratings, but interesting. It was, uh, you know, so now you know, Boomer has a new. Uh, he has a, a new co-host, and it's Boomer and uh, Geo. Ge- yeah. oh, G- Greg, Greg Giannotti, Giannotti, like Geo. That. I don't. It's so funny because his name is is Gia, but they call him Geo because it's Giannetti. Oh yeah, but they call him Geo. I once knew a Geo. Maybe well, a they... Geo, I once drove a Geo. Oh, I did at the at the at the car show. I've they were actually made by they were were actually made by Suzuki. Oh no way! They were, and Mm. then subsequently, which is a German car. Subsequently, I bought a Suzuki at Bay Ridge Suzuki. Whoa! Which is not a sponsor, and in fact doesn't exist anymore. It's gone. Wow! It's gone. So I'm not even going to call. Did you buy Bay Ridge's Bay Ridge Suzuki's last Suzuki? I bought one of them. The guy was happy. He was happy to have a sale. I'll tell you that. I bet. I tend to buy cars that are no longer made. Every new car I ever bought. You close out the production line. Basically, <laughs> they're gone. I bought a Mercury, um, a, a Mercury, a Mercury Montego. So I buy the Montego, which I thought was nice. It looked, I thought it looked like a Mercedes Benz, 
I thought that's like the, what they were going for. I needed like a family car. I didn't want a minivan, which, which frankly, if you have a family, it's a mistake not to have a, a minivan. They are practical. It's extremely practical. They are practical. So I had my Mercury Montego, which I, I drove for from 2005. But like after 2005, they changed the name, or maybe after 2007, they, they changed it back to the Sable. They went back oh, to Mercury sure. Sable, Sable yeah. which was the Ford Taurus Mercury Sable. It was the Ford 500 Mercury Montego, and then it became the uh, the Ford Taurus Mercury Sable. Also, but it was, it was a female wrestler, Sable. Sable's a female wrestler. Huh. I, did, I didn't know Just that. Just so you know. Nor care. Just so you know. So, long story endless... They first they stopped making the Montego, and then they just stopped making Mercuries altogether. Right. So there's no more Mercuries. Then I go out and buy a Suzuki, and within two years of me buying that Suzuki, Suzuki stopped selling cars in America. Now they still make them in Japan and other places, but they do not have them in they America. They don't have them. Did you and ever I own a Saturn? Oh no, I didn't own a Saturn, but I I never bought I never bought into it. Like okay. they were like a different kind of car, different kind of company. There was nothing different about it. It was a GM vehicle. And I don't buy GM vehicles. I'm not sure you're aware of that. I as wasn't. a rule, no GM. No, as a rule, I do not. I had. I was always a Mercury guy. Believe it or not, it's very weird. I had a Mercury Cougar, a 1968 Mercury. I think I've Cougar. seen this car. It was a great car. I, I, well, a version of what your car looked like. I should qualify. I yeah, no, the you exact didn't actually. Car. You not didn't the see exact my car. car. Merc- the Mercury uh, Cougar originally was kind of like the um, the Thunderbird. The Ford Thunderbird. It was like the the older brother, or I don't know. It, it always seemed weird because Mercury would come out with cars that were supposed to be nicer than Fords, like they were the level up mm-hmm. over the Ford, but they always just seemed like cheap Ford ripoffs. They didn't really take it to the next level, they like didn't. like say a Lincoln did. Sure, you have a Lincoln, and you know it's not a Ford anymore. It's not. Ju- it's no. It's no Ford, but the, and it's certainly not a Mercury. Yeah, my first car was a Mercury Capri. Which was the Mercury version of the Ford Mustang back in the eighties. All right, I had a nineteen eighty Mercury Capri, straight six engine, beautiful engine. You must very, have been pretty cool. It was very easy. No, it wasn't cool at all because it was a Mercury and it was some cheap Ford ripoff. But it sounds now like a, how many? Of there was these nothing cars... cool about it. Everybody thought I was an idiot for how driving many, a Mercury. How many of these cars had the "I like ass" bumper sticker on the back, or were these all pre that no. company? After my son was born, I couldn't have any uh, I love ass bumper stickers How is that? anywhere. No, anywhere. No. We didn't we didn't have one. No bumpers. I'm, I'm not no. a bumper sticker guy. No, I, I find them. I'm not putting bumper stickers on anything. I love Apple computers and they always give you that oh, little, yeah, Apple little Apple sticker. Apple. I don't put it anywhere. I'm not doing it. That's fair. I'm not doing it, Johnny. I'm not not, not without a check. To promote it. Yeah, if you want to pay me to promote something, let's say like if Atlantic Bagel wanted to pay me to talk about them on the air. Or ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter.com or one of those guys. Been meaning to call them, by the way. Greenleaf. I think they had another one, like Greenleaf. Greenleaf. I love listening to those. Is that a tea those, company? I love listening to those podcasts. No, it was like uh, a, a, a fiduciary. A fiduciary? Yeah, you're oh. close. Fiduciary? Fiduciary. I'm not going to give it a play here. Fiduciary? Somebody who helps you take care of your money, sure. but isn't it isn't doing it to make you buy certain products? Is actually helping you to make sure that you actually make money. You pay them a fee, but they're actually looking to see that you make money. Not they're not just trying to sell you right. You know, a fiduciary. That's the ah, word. Fiduciary. I got it. I that's got the, it. That's the word. They got a new one of those on on one of the podcasts I listen to. I think it's uh, Prepar. Ah, he's got the. Another one we talked about last week. What's, the, what's his name? The they got the what? 
fiduciary. Fiduciary, right. Sponsor. Fiduciary. But in 10 minutes from right now, what I'll let September? you tell us. Oh, guess who's going to join us on the show today? I a very a very special guest. Ten minutes. In ten minutes, none other than the borough president Eric Adams will be will be joining us. Now well, I love it when our producers set this up for us, where they're calling us, so we can sit here and have a conversation, and then hope the phone rings. Just hope it rings. Hope the phone rings, and then on the, on the other line, on the end of the line, the other end of the line. Will be the borough, the president, borough president, Eric Adams, who we haven't spoken to in probably a year, quite some time. We'd like to have him on line one. I know, what a better day! The beep on line what one. What a better day to have the commander in chief of Brooklyn address our listeners and ourselves um, than you know hours before the commander in chief of the United States addresses you know the nation as a whole. But I do don't really, really care yeah, about do we that. Really care about no, that? We I care, care more about what Eric this Adams is the has state to say. of the union. I care about right. It's the union of Brooklyn. Yeah, right. The got, only union I know. We got you know there was a unionization in Brooklyn. Ah, yeah, because originally you know, like places like New Utrecht, they were different towns. You oh, know? Oh, sure, yeah. Sure, yeah. That was a different town, and Williamsburg was its own town, and Greenpoint. Okay. Oh, yeah. These were all history. its own places. And then there was Brooklyn. And I think Flatbush was its own town. And then eventually it all consolidated into the city of Brooklyn, which was a powerhouse. A powerhouse until 1898, what they call here in Brooklyn the mistake of 98, when uh, we became part of the greater the New greater York city. city. Well, we were always part of the greater New York City area, but we became part of New York City. But part of the city proper, right? Yeah, we made a deal with the devil, as far as I'm concerned. Care to say why? What are you talking about? We became a second-class city. We were like the Mercury in of this the, Ford Empire. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's just terrible what happened to us. But but would you would you would you argue that we're finally rising to our God-given Ford? Forward pedestal. I don't know. What do you think we should do with these? Uh, shouldn't we have our own docks on the on the shore? Shouldn't we? Why are all the docks in? Well, wait. They're in Jersey. Never mind. Most of them are in Jersey. They're in Jersey. They're not even on in Manhattan anymore. Why do they get to have the? Uh, why does Manhattan get to have the the cruise term? Oh wait, we have a cruise terminal. We do have. Why it. do they get to have all the all the big teams, the the the, the Knicks? Oh wait, yeah, we, we have the But why do donuts have donut holes, but bagels, they don't have bagel holes. Bagel holes. It's all the same kind of shape. You no. know, you see what I'm getting at here. You you you're on a lifesaver, uh, right? Lifesaver's another one. Very, very you know, these you know these mints. I think you can buy the insides of the lifesavers now, and you could buy the bagel holes. You can get the insides yeah, of the lifesaver. You can get the bagel holes. You can get the inside of the lifesaver. Yeah, there are companies that make. You the can get the right stuffed. Twix and the left Twix. That's true. You got it. You know, no argument there. A lot of choice here. I'm excited to 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 have the beep call in um, for many reasons, but you know, as Vince knows, one of the stories that we've been following that I've spoken a lot about on this show, um, but you know that that took a really sort of interesting turn a weird turn i was gonna say a weird, weird turn, turn. Weird yeah turn you know it's it's is it a good it's turn really or hard a bad in this turn? business because every time there's a, a piece of good news you call it good news but it's often never good news and this is one of those situations where we we got you know what we thought was good news we got a scoop um an exclusive interview with the lawyer representing the cyclist neftali ramirez 
family, the family of Neftali Ramirez, the cyclist who was killed in Greenpoint last July, who we spoke about a couple of episodes ago. Yeah, we did talk about him. Um, yeah. You know, this is a story we're watching this year, if you if you remember. And and the family's lawyer finally got back to us and revealed some really um, shocking information with regard to the case, <gasps> namely that he thinks the city's covering up the whole incident because it is connected financially to the company that employed the driver, Action Carding. We also mentioned that company on the air. Mm -hmm. And and that the driver of of the truck did not have the right license required to drive didn't a commercial have, garbage truck. Didn't have the license to drive. What? So that is some bad no. news, but good news. But it's terrible news when you when you um you know consider how the driver and the company really got out scot free. We found out after after reporter Julianne Cuba, who has JC, we call her her teeth sunk into this, you know, deeper than a chipmunk on his last win- winter's nut stored away. She's so dogged here. She found out that that driver, all he got was a summons, mm-hmm. a violation, a, basically a moving violation for for having the wrong class of license. And what we found out today, what happened next? That summons was issued on November 10th, four months after the Neftali was hit and that's killed. A, that's an interesting nugget. It's a it's a very interesting nugget. It's four very, months later. Four months later, and. You know, the reason that that this is so big right now, and and I hope we'll have a chance to talk to to the beep about it, is is because on on Friday, late either late Thursday, early Friday, a thir- uh, another truck driver, this time for an oil company, Mac Oil, who this alleged- is a, a household oil delivery service. Mac is a pretty well-known name. Return I, of the Mac. You know, th- I I, I've been researching Mac. You Google Mac oil, there are so many different Mac What's oils. What's the oil company I know? Bayside. Oh, Bayside. Bayside oil is... I think Mac... I, again, this is this is speculation. It's not It's not fact. I think uh-huh. it might be a national company because they do appear... But they're delivering oil for, for people's houses, home, home fuel. Their division... I... That... Again, this is this is me, Johnny. Business, asking I'm, the, sure. I'm asking the tough questions. As an editor, that's what I that's what I'm supposed to do. That's the my chief job. editor. I they might. They come add. in, they tell me all this stuff, and I go, "But wait a second, what about this?" He Which always was, thinks of of the question that you know. Sometimes when you're so focused on getting from A to B, you forget Z. But Z is oftentimes you know it's out there. It's the Which question is, people you know want to know. It's lying out there like a killer in the sun. Deputy and the chief, right in front of your very ears. So, so, so this guy, you know, he's dr- he's driving this oil rig or oil rig on wheels, I should say. You mm-hmm. know, with what is allegedly a suspended license. Suspended license so, driving. So, you know, to me, he's he he's he has, doesn't have the legal license, just like the driver. Did he have a suspended license for driving a truck, or did he, he have had a, suspe- a suspended just a su- license like across the board? He should not have been driving at all with his license. Not driving a truck, not driving Suspend- a car. Okay, but my question is, did he have a truck driver's license? Did he have a truck driver's license? That see, I can have a, you know the, uh, your, your license come with certain classes. Right? Class did he a, have a suspended B, class, class X exactly. license? Did That's- he actually have a? A suspended license. This is him taking notes now. Why was it suspended? I, w- I would like to know. I don't think that's important. And what kind of oil? Well, according to the district attorney's office, he, it had been suspended no less than nine times prior 
to this incident. Yeah, yeah, we got to find out if that's an actual uh, truck driver's license or, or just a regular or, or just a regular class license. A driver's license that I have that allows me to drive my Suzukis and Suzuki my Mercury's Mercury, and but my not new a garbage truck. No, I would not drive a garbage truck. I wouldn't even try. But I can drive with the license I have. You can drive one of those U-Hauls. Yes, I've driven a U-Haul with my license, which I'm pretty which sure is interesting because you think you oh yeah need some it's, big it, truck. It is yeah. And I wonder if, if there's a size at which you can't drive with a regular license with U-Haul. But I don't think that there is. Well, they don't have the, the They don't 18, have like an 18. No, they don't have anything no, that big. No. But it's like I've driven big U-Haul trucks and for long distances. Yeah. They're, I, I and I bring along my pet monkey. Do you have a pet monkey? Of course. Whenever I'm going on long trips, driving it's the in my truck. the best way to keep your eyes on the road. Yeah. It's I a keep, pet monkey. I keep the pet monkey with me and I just... Go wherever I gotta go, and I hit the horns, and I avoid Sheriff Lobo. Uh huh. Yeah. Nobody um, knows what I'm talking about. I don't. About. Nobody. You Especially had me at Pet Monkey. I was Especially like, really? Yeah. Though? Lobo. I, Lobo is, you know, he's someone I've heard of, but I haven't run into him yet. No, the Lobo's. You, he's, he, you don't want to run into Lobo. But Eric is coming on to talk about the homeless shower I think we initiative. should. Bring, we could bring in Cuba, but I think she's very busy. I mean, she's always very busy. No, she's very busy, and she's she's really sunk her teeth into this story. She sunk her teeth in. And this is a story we've been following because we had an inkling that there was something wrong, that there was something amiss. With Ramirez, uh, from the get-go, we had an inkling there was Be, something Just amiss. because of the way that the police department was answering our questions, right? Yeah, I think the police department, you know, gave us a, a sort of weird smell. And also, early, early on in reporting that story... Lauren Gill, um, th- she reached out to Action Carding, and uh-huh. if you recall, they were very, very combative from the outset. From the outset, yes. and you Gilly. know, when when I, you know, when when somebody is overly aggressive to a simple question, mm-hmm. that's like the first sign that there might be something that you know they they're you know, yeah, there's there, there's that sign, and then there's the, but there's another sign. What, and what's that? The other side is, hey, why don't we get together and talk? Ah, that's another side. Right. A lot off of times the they want to get together and talk. The off the record. And then they want to get together and talk, and then two weeks later they're indicted. That's happened. Anybody ever say, like... But usually it's right before the indictment. Right, <laughs> right, right. But when why talk, though? The, why why have that meeting? Get the good, get the good word out there before the indictment. Mm. It, sh- it sh- maybe shows some sort of remorse or change of... of no, no, it's just trying to get the good word out there. But I think it's more think it's, it's more to perpetuate the lie. But what do they tell you off the record? It's like off the record. There's nothing off the record. But they We're said, on the record. We are wait. on the record. You come in, you talk to Vince DiMaselli on Brooklyn Paper Radio, you're on the record. They'll sit down and talk and tell you what actually happened, but how does that perpetuate the lie? No, 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 they're not telling you about that. They're telling oh. you how great they are. Oh, I see. Right. Sure, sure, They're not sure, going to sure. ask questions. They're not going to even take questions about the, about no. the other stuff. But they're for gonna... the record, Eric Adams is calling in to talk about Amazon potentially moving to Brooklyn as well as yeah. his homeless shower initiative. I love the homeless shower initiative, by the way. It's And, you know, we should be clear before he calls in, it's not just for homeless. It's, it's a mobile shower, a, a retrofitted school bus that will serve all sorts of, you know, marginalized populations, homeless, sex workers, um, you know, transient people who move from place to place. It's really for... for Are transient all, people that move from place to place homeless people? I mean... If they don't have an official resident, I guess they are. Yeah, I think if you don't have a home, technically speaking, if you don't have a home, 
you're homeless. I said I was I more so meant to say not just for people who are physically on the streets, you mm-hmm. know, people who might be a little hard on, off. This is a shower vehicle. It's just a, say? Yeah, it's a school bus that they're retrofitting with two private what is, are essentially from what I understand it, private bathrooms. There'll be toilet facilities, there'll be sh- overhead showers, there will be like shampoo and other hygiene products, towels, um, you know, all all someone needs to take a nice shower, which is the first step of of the rest of their life. I think what the borough president. I got I got I got to remember uh, to talk about this with him because a um, couple well, it's like ten years ago now. There was this big push for bathrooms, like public bathrooms sure. that were self cleaning, and it was like this tremendous. There was a big push for it, and they were, they had one at, at uh, Cabin Plaza. Not Cabin Plaza. No, they had one at Borough Hall. I think maybe at Cabin Plaza. They uh, maybe at Grand Army Plaza. I'm not sure. They they had them, and it was like this big thing. And this was like the future of bathrooms. You know, self cleaning public bathrooms. Self clean. You'd go in, and the thing would close. You, no one could get in or out. I think that was the problem. People got afraid, and they were afraid they're going to get stuck in there and then get cleaned. Well, then it becomes a public shower. It becomes a public shower slash bathroom. But the whole idea was it cleaned itself out every time. Uh, well, it's someone, funny. Someone used it. It's funny. I don't think that dream has died because I saw, I caught a, a bit of news earlier today that um, there is still a proposal to bring a, a self-cleaning toilet to a, an area of Prospect Park. Self-cleaning toilet, toilet that bathroom. Would, yeah, like, it's like, the like kind a pod. That, yeah, the these kind were like pods. You, I'm, and pa- I think I'm had, passing Vince a rendering of this toilet that I'm. Talking I think you have about. to pay. So the one, the one I was talking about, you had to pay. Is this one? Oh, this one looks wow. That looks. Crazy. Oh, I remember that. They're gonna get to so pay. It sort for of looks it. like a newsstand kiosk, but with you know, com- completely closed off and you know, silver on the outside. How do you, you think it's self clean? Who wrote this? Not the Brooklyn Patch? paper. They spelled poo pooing wrong. What did they? How they? They spelled it P O O H P O O H, as in Winnie the Pooh. What? Oh no, there's no H. Poo pooing the project. Poo poo is P O O P O O. Yeah, I mean anyone who's gone number two knows how to spell it. Yeah. Am I wrong to imagine this as like a bathroom meets car wash thing? Is that? Do I have the wrong idea? No, that's not the wrong idea. Technically, that's what it did. Like, but only instead of the car, the wash washing the car, the wash washes the toilet. Yeah. That would be kind of fascinating up. to see. I still, for the life of me, don't understand why public bathrooms look the way they do. I don't know what people do in bathrooms that, you know, I always say treat your public bathroom how you would treat your grandmother's bathroom. That's the way I Right. I, yeah. I or, or, you know, just like you would treat a, a public person the same way you would treat your grandmother. Right. And you before know. I send out a text, make sure that I could send it to my grandmother. Right, the grandma rule. It's a I grandma, like the grandma rule. rule. Yeah, but too many people are poo pooing that rule, and they're making messes in bath with an H. No, oh, just poo poo. Oh, no H. Okay, just poo poo. I don't think there's. And it was always fun when we were around. kids to go to the uh, Chinese restaurant and get the poo poo platter. The poo poo platter, which, which was, is spelled even diff- Which is a du- another I think it's like, spelling. It's almost like pow pow. So I think the, it was like P A U P A U. Oh, pow, pow, got it. So our pronunciation was off. It could have been. Uh, but, but the, the fact that it came with a flame. Was always interesting to me. Did you ever oh, get a poo poo platter? The, you mean on the platter itself? No, I never. No, they would send a the poo poo platter would come out. These were in the old Polynesian style restaurants. Yeah. they all had you know wacky uh, Polynesian drinks and stuff like that. Uh, and when they would bring out the poo poo platter, it would come like in a 
like a serving tray that had a, a flame in the middle, and the flame was always the uh, a sterno, you know? You know oh, sternos? sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's, like, so it's got like that green goo in it, yeah. you know? So, of course, as a kid, you're more interested in that green Sticking goo your finger in the than goo. the spare ribs. Which, big mistake, although I guess it depends on and the And I loved it. You know what I really liked? Which I didn't eat seafood that much as a kid, but I loved the shrimp toast. I've never had shrimp. You gotta toast. get a poo poo plate. You know, there's, there's, there are some, there are some of these old Polynesian places left. You know, yeah. these old school Chinese restaurants where, when I was a kid, every Chinese restaurant you went into had like a Polynesian flair. And uh, there are some left. I'll, I'll, I could take you to one on Staten Island called Jade Island. But that sounds fantastic. Which is, uh, oh, it's, it's, it's great. They got like the puffer fish as a lamp. <laughs> you know, that is exactly the type of place I and would it's expect been there. to eat like, a It's been there platter. since like 1971. You know. Oh wow. Yeah, it's like the bamboo, bamboo. Flame it's an institution, and all that. But the uh, yeah, the poo poo platter would come out always very dangerous. Came with sticks uh, that you would jab into the meat, and then you'd cook so it you over cook the flame. So you cook the meat, which you probably shouldn't do. You probably shouldn't be cooking over that flame because that flame is is a chemical flame. Yeah, it's it's being ignited on. But this green is what our goo. parents did to us, hey, Tony. This is what the they d- did. Uh, you know, I I even think when I was a kid, I was allowed to do a lot more things than then, you know, everything these days is going to kill you. But well, as, as we're fond of saying here, we're all going to die. We are. So we are. There's no doubt about that. A life, Some of us sooner than others. Life is for the living, not, you know. Life's a highway. If you can't stick your finger in the goo. One thing <laughs> that that um, that I was a little bit, you know, surprised about, but made sense with regard to the mobile shower, is we actually got a lot of comments on that story from people who were upset about the amount of money spent to provide that service. Mm, they were upset about that? Yeah, I mean, and it, I think it was, I think the beef pledged, so, I know it was more than $300,000, somewhere between three hundred and three hundred fifty. and council, council put, put forth another was this 70, his, uh, Was this his... Um, it's from his capital discretionary budget. Discretionary funds? It was from his capital budget, which oh. I never... Yeah, no, they have... That's pretty much the one thing the borough president has. He has is some funds, a, a, or she, has some funds that can be spent on... On, on projects things. that... But, yeah, that but other, other than that, the, you know, the, the borough president uh, doesn't really have much power. Ever since they got rid of the... Um, there used to be a thing called uh, the... Oh my God! I'm losing my mind. You got it. No, I'm gonna get. I'm gonna get You're it. Gonna, gonna get it. it. I'm gonna get it. But it was the board board of board of estimates. Ah. Oh, okay. Yeah, the board of estimates was the it was the, the boe the mayor. It was the uh, all the borough presidents, and I think maybe like one other, you know, guy in city government, like the like the public advocate or something like that. And they would get together and they would they would. Uh, come up with projects and stuff like that and see how they're going to fund stuff. And back then, they had a lot of power. And I think in the early, late 1980s, early 1990s, the Board of Estimates became, it was ruled that it was unconstitutional. Oh, wow. And, yeah, and they got rid of the Board of Estimates, but they didn't get rid of the borough presidents. The borough presidents still stuck They stuck around. around. They stuck around and they do what they do. And I like having a borough president. I, no, I, I, think, think it's, I think having a booster for the borough, I think, you know, Marty Markowitz was a great borough president. I, I think it's a, it's a, it's a, a positive office. I mean, it, there's a lot of community community rallying there, and you know, without them, I think the city would further just amalgamate into one unified cool thing. Work. And now you can keep the distinct. Char- I think they do a lot for keeping the distinct character of the borough. Yeah, you know, and and now, do you know your borough presidents? I know Eric Adams. Okay, very good. Who else you know? Gail Brewers in Manhattan. Gail Brewer. There you go. 
number two. Who's out there in Queens? Do you know? You know, I do know, but I can't think of it. But I know it. Yep. I definitely know it, but I just can't think of it. Yep. It's the borough president of Queens, I think, is the borough president of Queens, you know? There is a borough president <laughs> of Queens. Oh, look at this. Just trying to call one to voice. What number did you give the borough president? I gave 718-260. Oh, don't yell it out, but what number was it? So I, how do I say it without... What number was it? It's the number that's on the phone right here now. Did it go straight? You know what? That might... You know how there's a You didn't give him the T's number, did you? No, I gave him the number of the phone. Because right. I'm not monitoring that line today. <laughs> All what right. You, you got to press something. You should talk into the microphone. Maybe, maybe we could call him. No, hold on. Let, let's try. Let's try. You know, it's it's got that button on I it. Just, I just I want to test this. Uh, if you pre- you know, it, it goes straight to voicemail unless you press it because the phone got unplugged earlier. Uh huh. Remember that? We realized the phone wasn't plugged in. So if he called, he wasn't going to get to us. So now it's plugged in. But maybe you got to press something else. Maybe if I press cancel. No, don't press cancel. Just type in the last four digits of that number. Right there. Type in. Wait, what are you doing? Will you just type in the last four digits of this number? This is Wait, why. We got like an answer on or answer off button. I just want to make sure the answer. You have a, we have a, it's good to know we have a phone with an answer. It's going to tell. Hold on. That's, that's not that's, what we want. No, no. they will not be Calls answered. will not be. We want calls to be. No. No, I don't want. To, all right. Here, uh, do me a favor. If he's will out you, there. For the love of God, <laughs> type in the last four numbers of this direct line and hit send. And I'm testing the phone line. We're going to test the We're going to test the lines. We're going to open the Did phones. Did you hit send? Yes. Okay. We're going to open the phones. Why don't we open the phones? Yeah, we're not using the T's line because there's nobody here to answer the T's line. Nobody's here. And that is a... Job in and of itself, let me tell you. <laughs> you get the phone ringing off the hook. You know, it always rings off the hook the day w- the days we're not on. Oh, that's it got weird. all these people calling. Well, it's because people listen to it in, you know. Uh, they can't be overstimulated. They need to focus on the show before they call in to tell us that we, too, want to cruise. Now, is that on auto? It No, remember, it said calls will not no, be. No, is, is your, your other oh. button on Yeah, auto. yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, calls will not be answered. See, that is confusing in and of itself because I want calls. I want to be able to answer the phone. All right, let's see who this is. Hello, right. this is Brooklyn Paper Radio. You're on the air. Uh, try it again. Hello, this is Brooklyn Paper Radio. You're on the air. Yeah, this is uh, Gersh, uh, Gersh Kuntzman, the first time caller, long time listener, big fan of the show. I, I have to point out to you, uh, Gersh, you are not a first time caller, I, although I will say you're probably a long time listener. I want to say I really enjoyed your reminiscences about Polynesian poo-poo platters. I enjoyed them myself in my youth. And I also think that you should remember the name the Board of Estimate, which was what you were groping for earlier, Vince. That's what I said. Board of Estimate. The BOA. It actually, it, it subsequently BOE. came to me. BOE. It subsequently came to me. Well, look, the good news is I'm calling. I heard earlier that Tony, and by the way, Tony, you're doing a great job, much better than Gersh Kunstman. Well, I beg to differ, Gersh Kunzman, but go on. But Tony had made a comment that some people were complaining about the borough president's initiative on that uh, shower machine, the shower truck. And i got to say, as a Brooklyn constituent of the borough president, I am a huge supporter we got of that. Eric on the other All right, line. Eric is on the other line. We're going to talk we... to him about it. That's I, great to hear, hit, though, Gersh. Just hit flash. Hit, hit flash? Gersh, we'll talk to you later. Thanks for calling. Right. Flash. See you Hey, uh, this is Brooklyn Paper Radio. You are on the air. Is that Borough Bar- President Adams? Hello. All right. Hit Going that. once. No. We're just going to drop that. You know, it sounded, the phone 
that was nervous making how Gersh's phone call sounded. Just it was for the record. I just I want to point out to you that on numerous occasions I know where you're going. Numerous occasions yep. I've said we need to fix the phone system. And I got a new phone. And for a while it was great. Now, it sounded like he was talking at the other end of the tunnel. Maybe it, he was in the tunnel. It worked well when um when Dahl called in. It worked okay when Dahl called in. But did you hear the the what he called? Now, of course, the bar president called. We didn't get his call. We didn't get his call. Maybe and here he comes. Try now. Try um, it again. Will you please do it? Are you doing it? Go your ahead. Uh, burp. You have to I, hit the button. It's on. It's, a, it's Try now. Say hello. All right. This is Brooklyn Paper Radio. You're on the air. Is that Burr President Adams? Hello? It looks oh like it may have dropped. Oh, boy. Just, uh... And you want to be no, my I, latex I, salesman. <laughs> this is really making me nervous. I'm not sure... You don't have to pick up the phone. What do we do? It's from supposed here? to just pick up. We're going to let it ring one more time, and, and if then, it doesn't, you know, if, if we it could call him, work, that would be really helpful. Yeah, wouldn't it be? Let me. Maybe we could call him. That would be really helpful. Yeah. How are we going to call him? Do you? Well, have I'm going to ask for. The, I'm going to ask for the number. Yeah. D- let's do that, please. That's the sound of me typing. <laughs> All right. We don't need to hear. We don't need to hear play by play. <laughs> Tony. What else is going on? So, <clears throat> a couple of other things that yeah we we will talk to. For the borough president when he calls in, you know, the other big thing is this this Amazon play. All right, here we go. He's trying it one more time. Brooklyn Paper Radio, you're on the air. Is this the borough president? Yes, yes. How are you? Eric Adams, it is wonderful to have you back on Brooklyn Paper Radio. It's been way too long. I know you got a lot to talk about. I know that the it's the uh, State of the Union tonight. But what we're interested in here at Brooklyn Paper Radio is the state of Brooklyn. And <laughs> we were hoping you could fill us in, let us know what's going on, and then we got some questions for you. By the way, this is Vince DiMaselli, the host and editor. I'm here with Tony Rotuno, my deputy editor, and, of course, Johnny or Jimmy or whatever his name is, the guy who's working the board who couldn't answer the phone. How are you? Great, great, great. Great speaking to both of you, and I agree with you 100%. It has been far too long. Yes, it, it no ha- time like the present to fix that. Though. So, do you, do you, can you tell us what you're up to now? What have you been up to? What's the most important thing that's happening in Brooklyn right now? Let me hear it. I, I think a combination of things. Uh, you know, as we all know, every day Brooklyn appears to be going through this evolution, and we're nowhere near uh, the middle point. I, I think that we're discovering new aspects of Brooklyn, and you know, at Time is scary to a lot of people. Uh, anytime you have change of this magnitude, uh, it appears as though you're losing a Brooklyn that you've known from childhood. Uh, but I don't think so. I think that if we are careful about our development, careful about uh, how we bring new businesses and protect mom-and-pop shops, uh, we're going to create a great uh, system in Brooklyn where people can raise healthy children and families. Mm-hmm. Now, you, t- you spoke about development. I know we were thinking about talking about the uh, Amazon, the possibility of them coming to Brooklyn. Have you have you had talks with them? Have you sat down with the guys from Amazon, Jeff Bezos, somebody? No. As soon as we heard, uh, we immediately pulled together the Brooklyn Chamber, Chamber of Commerce. I want to thank Andrew, uh, who's heading the chamber now, and business uh, leaders and stakeholders to come together. And we sat down to put together some form of plan, and the mayor and his team did an excellent job hearing recommendations from various parts of the borough. And it was just, you know, a, a great thing to do. We, um, our, our desire was to show why Brooklyn was so attractive. And when you think about it, 
uh, here if Amazon does come, many people is lost on people that we're talking about a 50,000 high-paying jobs. Mm-hmm. Those are 50,000 people who will be visiting our restaurants, 50,000 people who will go to the local stores, the bodegas, uh, you know, get their bikes repaired. It's just a really a infusion of a lot of resources into our community that we need to be, you know, really uh, uh, happy to have. Mm-hmm. You you mentioned Andrew Hone, who's the uh, president of the Brooklyn Chamber of Commerce. Now, the plan for the that the chambers put out there is it is it Sunset Park? Is that is that what I recall? Is that correct? A combination of places. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we were looking at several different places. Every place from Williamsburg to Sunset Park to the Navy Yard. Uh, wherever it could fit. Uh, so we looking at the tech triangle. Uh, just the name of the game is to find the right space that, you know, Amazon is going to look at. I'm sure they have their methods of determining what's the great location for them. Mm-hmm. But we're just saying the borough is open for business, the city is open for business, and it's a win-win for us all. Now, Bur- Borough President, you know, in all the reports about Amazon finalizing their their 20 competitors, you know, everything lists New York City, but do you have the scoop? Can you tell us, are are some boroughs out of contention? Is Brooklyn the only borough in contention, or are they still looking citywide? Or? No, it's, 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 I believe they're looking at three boroughs they're focusing on, you know, Manhattan, Queens, and Brooklyn. Got it. Uh, so it's going to come down to, you know, those three boroughs of my understanding. And we got great locations. When you look at Dumbo, look at the Navy Yard, uh, Navy Yard, and look at downtown Brooklyn. Uh, so when transportation, easy access to transportation, uh, great locations, and the dynamic of employment has changed, particularly for those in the Google, the Amazon uh, universe. They look at this entire experience of walking to their place of employment, having a place where they can interact with a diverse environment like Brooklyn. Uh, a number I throw out all the time, 47% of this borough speaks a language other than English at home. And so it's no longer just sitting inside a cubicle. Uh, people really want to engage and turn their um, employment experience into really a lifetime experience and interaction. Yeah, absolutely. And, the, you know, the Bezos family, you know, they they brought other great things to Brooklyn. They helped uh, move NYU Langone into the old Lutheran hospital. So they've they've got you know, they've done some big, big things here already. So who's, you know, here's hoping they, they continue that. But what and we're a- growing. Uh, you know, Brooklyn has the second fastest job growth rate of any county um, ever since 2010. So it's not as though I pressed the magic bullet. Uh, my predecessor, and even back to uh, Howie Golden, um, you, you've seen a continuation, a seamless uh, transition of just this continue of growth and excitement in the borough. Yeah. Now, we did a story this week about your plan to, to Tony, tell us about the plan to have the, uh, the the shower buses, maybe break it down for us, or actually, I'm asking Tony, I got you on the phone. I mean, why not go to the man with the plan and have him break it down? <laughs> tell us a little bit about that. We did a big story on it this week. Yes, no, and I'm, I'm glad you guys did. Uh, you know, just think about it for a moment. How miserable you feel throughout the day if you don't get that morning shower. It's more than just a ceremonial uh, period of you just um, removing dirt or, you know, just waking yourself up. It is really how we get started and how we feel as though, okay, I'm ready to enter into the madness of my day. So if you have to go a week uh, without having a proper shower, 
how do how does one get read, ready for the employment for school or what have you? You lose your dignity and respect. Something simple um, as a shower is a deal breaker. When I speak to some of my CUNY students who have withdrawn from school because they were afraid of the you know the the stigma of you know the bad um, body odor, odor and unable to you know bathe, or you speak to people who say, listen, I want to look for a job, but how am I going to walk in somewhere? and not be able to go in in a presentable uh, fashion. So the goal was how do we continue to remove the stones that has built the wall to prevent people into the gainful employment they need to get the dignity and respect that they deserve. And the shower um, bus is one of them. $300,000 we're putting in, $77,000 being put in by the city council. Uh, We're going to retrofit a bus. Uh, that will have two individual shower units um, with overhead showers, sinks, toilets, and benches. And it's going to travel around the borough, hit locations like food pantries, hospitals, um, some great trusted organizations that normally supply uh, services and service providers to homeless people. Uh, We're going to be teaming up with folks like Turning Point Brooklyn. We cannot say enough about them. And we're looking to give the participants everything from clean towels, shampoo, soap, shaving kits, uh, toilet facilities, socks, underwear. All of these things we take for granted um, when we wake up in the middle of the night. We look at our loved ones and say, hey, where the heck are my socks? You know, but the reality is there are thousands of New Yorkers who are not saying, uh, where are my socks? But, you know, I wish I had a pair of socks. And so this shower initiative is so important that the response that we receive from people online and emails of folks saying, listen, how do we help? Um, it's just amazing. And this may be one of many buses. I'm, I'm trying to get the um, other borough presidents to also participate in this initiative so these buses can rove around, not stationary, but move to where people are and give them this assistance. It's like Uber for, for showers. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> now, just don't, just don't do a pool. Um, now, I know uh, when we spoke to you for the story, you know, it seemed like there was some bureaucratic red tape maybe delaying the debut of this of this service, and you were very committed to accelerating that at, at all costs. And I just was wondering if there's been headway there, if we can expect it sooner than a year from now, or if you're still sort of sorting that out. You, you know, that's one of the n- number one things that I find, I have found in government that we need to continue to raise our voice. The bureaucracy of moving things forward. Um, For DDC, which is doing an appropriate job of making sure as we do these designs that are going to fit on our city streets is important, but we have to expedite it. It should not take a year to decide if we can put a shower bus or move it around to go through the bureaucracy. And we also find this in other areas also. The amount of money it takes to build, let's say, a simple bathroom in the Department of Parks, it would take almost a million dollars to build a bathroom because of all of the bureaucracy and the contracts and right. negotiations. This stuff is this stuff is just unbelievable when you really look at it. That we have to do a better job. And look at that NYCHA, the boilers. You know, I'm almost afraid to ask how much the $200 million that the um, budget is going to be put in, how much is it going to actually pay for the number of boilers. 
and we can't continue to do so and uh, and think that way. And my goal is to get this bus rolling, get DDC to say, listen, there needs to be periods in government where you look at the demand of the need and put it on a fast track and supersede the bureaucracy. Giving this, these showers to people who are in need is something that is part of the urgency of the city, and our agencies must participate in that urgency. Yeah, you mentioned pushing projects through, and the project that really has me scared, the one that I think really needs to get done in Brooklyn, is the uh, the replacement of the triple cantilever on the BQE. Now, I think we're basically dealing with the same problems that you're talking about. the 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 mayor and the city have to pay to get this done, but the governor won't allow for what's it called to design build design build construction, to right, to speed right. up the construction. Where where do you stand on that? Have you talked to the governor? Have you talked to the mayor? Uh, are we going to see this thing get fixed before somebody gets killed? Because trust me, Bar President, Mr. Bar President, we've had a number of people on the show that says this is a life and death matter, and that's going to fall. It's going to fall over someday, and, and people are going to die. You know, and you, you really hit it out the park on that. Uh, because think about it for a moment. When we can't respond in an urgent manner to urgent issues, it really gets in the way of how we need to move uh, the city, the borough, uh, and the entire state ahead. There's no reason we can't do design build on this project. I think that the commissioner of DOT has done an excellent job of highlighting how important it is. And we know those of us who use uh, the BQE all the time, we know how dangerous it could be and how we shouldn't wait for a tragedy then all of a sudden we find the energy to say, you know what, let's move this and fast-pace it. Let's do this before the crisis, before it turns into a more healthy and unhealthy environment than it is. And so I'm hoping that the governor see how imperative it is to move it forward, and we need to get it done. Design bill is a win. Uh, it is something that has been used. There's no reason that we cannot use it here in the borough of Brooklyn. And so we're hoping that he understands that. We have a meeting with Alfonso Davis, uh, one of his uh, senior staff members, on another topic, and we're going to raise this uh, with him as well. Alfonso Davis with the with the governor's office, you said? Yes. Mm -hmm. It seems like another one of those instances of all this, you know, bureaucracy. The the the, the process was used, you know, it was state-led, but to build the Kosciusko, the new Kosciusko Bridge, the state's used it several times, so it does seem kind of head-scratching as to why this this instance is being so um, so so well, delayed. Well, I think it comes down to that there is a rift between the mayor and sure. and the governor, and you know, I think the I think to the borough president's point, we have to make the point to the to the governor that this is a very very serious problem. Yeah, it's not, and you know. If somebody dies, it's on his hands. It's so true. And, you know, and we can't have trucks rolling through uh, Brooklyn Heights. Uh, it impacts our downtown traffic flow. It impacts business. It impacts commerce. commerce. And what I've found uh, often, uh, we wait until these emergencies and tragedies, and then we bring our, roll our podiums out and stand in front of the podium and say, you know, here the Calvary is on the way. We should not have needed the Calvary if we would have done what was right in the beginning. Here's an opportunity to do the right thing. And I'm not talking about a movie. I'm talking about saving lives of people before tragedy happens. 
Now, now on that note, which it, it's a very heavy note, but but you came out very strongly this weekend following the the death of Kevin Flores. Um, you know about about maybe tragedies that aren't necessary um, on our roads, and you know as as a former member of New York's finest, can you maybe shed some light as to what's happening in these instances where drivers who are not licensed are you know, hitting and killing pedestrians, cyclists, you know, in obviously, you know, probably not intentionally, but it's still happening. And, and they seem to be just getting slaps on the wrist, if anything at all. I mean, where, where is the, where is the disconnect there? Uh, uh, two major areas of, uh, of vehicle uh, crashes that I have focused on throughout my time as a state senator and when I became borough president. One was leaving the scene of an accident with a serious physical injury. Oftentimes, people who are intoxicated or if they have uh, licenses that are uh, suspended, if they strike someone and injure them, they make a calculative decision to leave the scene and not stay because if they are stopped, um, then they would just get a summons. You know, and it, it won't be all fine. And so they say, listen, if I stay and if I'm intoxicated and I stop, um, I'm going to be arrested for driving while intoxicated. Intoxication. I always felt there should be a default in, in, in process. If you leave the scene of an accident with serious physical injury or death, we should default that you were uh, treat them as a person who, has, who was intoxicated. Um, we're moving forward in this area now because we're seeing so many cases of leaving the scene of an accident. The second is this issue that remarkably um, has never been addressed, that if a person is driving with a suspended license, there's a reason that it is suspended in the, in the first place. Sure. You know, the person may be speeding, driving while intoxication, under the influence of drug or alcohol, for whatever reason, that person must have 10 cases of driving with a suspended license before it's treated as a felony. And those that's a federal law. Our state needs to state that, listen, we have a zero tolerance. There's a, if your license is suspended, you are not to get behind the wheel. And then if you are being employed by a business that is saying, we know your license is suspended, but we're going to put you behind the wheel of a truck or car or van anyway, that person should be held uh, accountable also. Just as a gun in the hands of a licensed person is a tool that can be used appropriately, so too is a vehicle. A vehicle in the hands of the wrong person is a dangerous weapon, and it takes the lives of innocent people. And that's what we were saying, that we should not wait until a person is charged 10 times. If he's caught 10 times, that means he has driven hundreds of times without being caught. And this person allegedly bragged about he didn't have a license. It was suspended. Catch me if you can. Yeah. And it became a joke. So not only did he get caught, but he got caught after taking someone's life. And this young man should not have been killed. His wife is pregnant with another child. I mean, his mom is pregnant with another child. 15-year-old boy um, was taken from us. And countless number of, uh, of people are taken through these crashes. And it's something that we want to change. And that's the goal 
um, what we want to do. And I said it was 15, but I meant it was 13. Mm-hmm. And so we, we're going to speak with our congressional delegation to see, to see if we could do something on the federal level, but we're also speaking with our state uh, representatives to see if we can change the penal law and the criminal procedure law to address this as well. So if you're caught if you're caught driving without a license, what this isn't a this is not a felony. This isn't a this isn't even a misdemeanor. It's just a is it a desk appearance? What what it's is a, it it's right a now? Fine. You, it's a seven hundred and fifty dollar fine for the first offense. I think the third is around a fifteen hundred dollar uh, fine. Um, so it's a fine. So it's just really the cost of doing business. You know, you say, hey, you know, if I get caught, I'll get hit with a fine. That's, 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 you know, that's just you know, the cost of doing business. And we can't say that because, as I stated in the beginning, there's a reason the license is suspended. Mm-hmm. You know, so, it's, so it's obvious that this person does not carry out the basic uh, criteria of why he should be able to use a vehicle that can be a very dangerous instrument if it's used improperly. So as as an ex-police officer, uh, you know, in your expert opinion, what what do you think should be the penalty when someone driving with a with, you know, with a suspended license or without a license, not legally able to drive, kills someone? What what should the what should the penalty be? Uh, I believe he should be charged with vehicle vehicle uh, manslaughter. The same way if you are in, intoxicated behind a car, um, I believe that it needs to be a serious charge um, that is appropriate, that you took the life of someone by using a, a, a tool that you were not trained to use. Look at the, look at the, the individuals who use the, um, uh, the con- on a construction site, mm-hmm. and they use the different tools. Uh, there was one case in Manhattan where um, the cranes were operated and the person did not have the license to operate the crane and the contractor was in the way, was aware that the person didn't have, they were charged with that because that's a serious um, instrument to use. Mm-hmm. The same here. You use a vehicle and you know you're not licensed to do so and you take the life of a person cause serious physical injury or death to someone, you need to be held accountable. So how do you hold those people accountable, though? Because I think part of the problem is, and again, I come from a family of police officers as well. My father was a police officer for 35 years. My brother was a police officer for 10 years before moving over to the fire department. Um, My question is, they're thrown into these situations where someone maybe with a suspended license or something like that, or maybe without a suspended license, who knows, hits and kills someone. And they don't want to ruin two people's or two families' lives in, in that situation. And it's, and it's ultimately up to the police and the district attorney's office to, to press charges against these people. But I think more often than not, maybe police officers feel better. I mean, you've probably been in this situation. You would know better than I do. But is, is that a factor? Do, do cops think like that when uh, they come across situations like this, terrible, tragic situations? And, of course, the goal is not to destroy lives, but we do have to send a very strong message that um, particularly a powerful term in law is knowingly and intentional. When you knowingly operate a vehicle while under the influence of alcohol, knowingly operate a vehicle while under the influence of drugs, you're taking those actions and you're knowingly um, aware of the risk and danger that is involved. If you knowingly operate a vehicle when your license is suspended, 
It's one thing to have an accident. You're driving. I mean, accidents happen all the time. It's one thing to have an accident. But when you openly state, I'm going to ignore um, the fact that my license was suspended, that is a serious message to the process, and it's a mockery of the system. You know, for those of us who follow the rules, do what's supposed to be done as we're moving on the, on the streets, those who do not want to comply with the rules should not be behind the wheel of a vehicle, and we cannot continue to take those calculative risks and losing the lives of any innocent people. Look at the number of cases we get. Um, someone is operating a truck, a van. Uh, there's a reason these rules are in place, that you need certain licenses to operate certain vehicles. And so the goal is not to destroy lives, but the goal, goal is to make sure that people take extremely serious the fact that you cannot operate a vehicle if the court of law stated that you are not licensed to do so. And there, there are many uh, directives that are put in place that you're given limited or modified licenses that you can use while you're doing your place of employment or uh, for particular reasons. So for the court to straight up and say, you know what, you are not getting a license at all, there's a reason for that. Has this, uh, the, the, the gentleman driving the car in this case, uh, the most recent case, been charged? Yeah, no, he no, he has not. Of my understanding, he was just charged with driving without a license. Driving you know? without a license, but but if it were up to you, this person would be charged with vehicular manslaughter just based on the fact that he was driving without that license. Without and a li without a license, and uh, seven times of my understanding, this is not the first time. Yeah, you I, know, I, I, and I can understand if the first time you get a fine because sometimes people's licenses can be suspended without being aware that it was suspended. Mm -hmm. But once you are told that and you continue to do so, then it's no longer, hey, we're giving you a warning of what happened. You are now um, making the system into a mockery. Yeah. And so I think it's imperative that we must send a very strong message of driving without a license causing serious physical injury or death should be held at a high standard. Yeah. You know, bicyclists across the city, across the borough, they complain that the police department, whenever someone gets hit by a truck or something, it, they seem to think that uh, police officers always side with the drivers of the of the the heavy vehicles, not the drivers of the of the two wheeled man powered vehicles. Do Do you think that's the case? Yeah, I think far too often uh, police have jumped to conclusion prior to doing the thorough investigation, and you know, pointing the finger at the uh, bicyclists. Uh, instead of you know drilling down and finding out exactly what happened, uh, I think far too often we had to retract after after seeing a thorough investigation reveal something totally different. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I, we need to be extremely thorough before we uh, state or indicate uh, you know what happened in these accidents. That was one of the calls that many of the bicyclists had that let's be thorough in the investigation before the crash. Um, and that particularly when someone's life is taken. So do you think in this case uh, this is going to move forward, or do you think it's just going to end here with, uh, with, with the slap on the wrist? Uh, well, I believe that it's going to open the door uh, for us to really look at the law. Several uh, elected officials on the state and city level reached out to me and said, hey, Eric, how do we move forward on this? Um, so I think that maybe the loss of life of this young man is going to uh, implement some changes that needs that that must be implemented so that we can resolve this issue in the future. How 
you know, there's there's another facet here, and I'll be really quick because I know we're, we've, we've kept you for quite some time. But, you know, the companies that employ these uh, these drivers, you know, there, there's some fault there, too. And, and, you know, is there a way to, you know, obviously you can charge the driver with vehicular manslaughter or something, but, but how do you fix the law so that the companies don't pr- sort of promote this, you know, 20 hour a day, you know, all night policy. You know, we, we got, we got an, a, an anonymous call from a, a, a union rep saying that, you know, when, when drivers commit infractions, what they'll do is they'll just make them watch driver safety videos. They don't really take them off the, off the road. So, so how do you, how do the, how does the city or, you know, the, the law get changed so that, the companies are also held accountable here. Like, what, what would you do in that situation? I think that's a good point. And uh, with my conversation with Councilman Richards this afternoon, who's now the chair of public safety, uh, I think to allow those uh, various um, tipsters and uh, drivers and others to come in and talk about that, I think we need to air um, what is the problem that surrounds this issue and come up with some real thoughtful ways to address it? Not, you know, not a knee-jerk reaction, but a r- real thoughtful ways of how do we make sure that those who are behind the wheel are not um, exhausted from the hours that they've put in, um, make sure that uh, owners of companies are doing what they have to do to ensure that their drivers are safe and that the uh, people on the roadways are safe in the process. <laughs> Maybe they should check to see if their licenses have been revoked. Right. <laughs> well, they actually, they actually, the federal law requires um, that there's an inspection, I believe, every six months uh, or year. But there's, there is a process on a federal level that some form of inspection must be done. Uh, but we don't have anything of, of our review on the state level. And so we need to really get on top of this, particularly in a densely populated city uh, such as New York. Well, have you ever been involved in a case where, um, where like, the police department, in, in the case of Neftali Ramirez, uh, which happened in Greenpoint over the summer, the police department didn't release any information about the driver of the, of the action carting truck that hit him and refused to do so even, even till this point. And yet... In the most recent case, uh, this weekend, they released all the information. Like, why, why would that happen? Why wouldn't the police department uh, put out the information of the person that was responsible for the death? It, it just seemed very weird to us. I, I can't quite understand, uh, and I think it's important to be consistent. If you're going to put it out on one case, do it on another, unless there's a request from the district attorney uh, not to. Sometimes the district attorney is conducting an investigation that they believe the release of information could impede in some way the investigation. But outside of that request from the the district attorney's office, I believe there needs to be a level of consistency. What you do on one case, you should do on the other. Yeah. Well, all right. Well, listen, Tony, anything else? I have some other questions for him, but they're more basic. I could keep you on here all night. (laughs) (laughs) We really appreciate you coming on. I just wanted to ask you quick. How are you doing? I know you had the uh, the scare with uh, with diabetes, and you went on your diet, and you started working out. How's everything going with that? Uh, amazing, uh, you know. And we we do what's called a um, a plant based vegan meetup every three months uh, to show people how to use food to empower their lives. 
Um, I think in the next uh, next week we're doing another one. We get a couple of hundred people who attend each time. Uh, my mother, who's diabetic, um, as well, she started my program and um, she's off her insulin now. Wow, she's doing amazing. How, how so old's your mom? Fantastic. Mother is seventy nine years old. Wow, God bless. You know? Yeah, God so bless. So we we realized that it wasn't that we shared the same DNA. We shared the same bad dinner. <laughs> well, I have to ask: Have you have you had any of the plant based fare at the new Next Level Burger in the Fort Greene Whole Foods three six five? Everyone's been raving about the the food there. And it's no, all plant based. No, I haven't. But I'm going to take a trip there. They tell me that they have some great food, um, some great vegan restaurants. So we we're getting a boom of vegan restaurants here in the borough. I think oftentimes. Uh, when people hear vegan, they think about the animal activists who spray paint, uh, sure. spray paint uh, fur coats, you know, uh, and that is not, that's why I use the term plant-based a lot, uh, <laughs> because it's really about healthy eating and allowing our children and families to have access to healthy food. That's what the Meatless Mondays is about in our schools. Uh, clearly, when you look at the fact that the WHO has classified processed meat as a uh, type 1 carcinogen equivalent to cigarettes and asbestos. Um, it is saying that we need to start doing a better job of letting families know about the access of healthy food. Yeah, i got to stop smoking my meat. <laughs> <laughs> Great talking to you guys. Yep. You know, and we look forward to hearing from, reaching out and speaking with you again. Are you doing, yes. a, are you doing a State of the Borough uh, this year? We, we're thinking about it. I like to do the open house. You know, the state of the borough, you up on the stage, uh -huh, people sure. are removed from you. When we do the, do the open house, a couple of hundred people walk through Borough Hall who have never visited before. I get to speak with them one-on-one -on -one and interact. It's just a better feeling for me than feeling distance and removed. Yeah, more involved. Uh, and having know, a PowerPoint. Yeah, right. <laughs> so we're still contemplating. I'm hearing from the staff which way we should go, what's the best way to do it. All right. Well, Bar President Adams, I want to thank you again for coming on the show, taking the time. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure talking to you, and we'll we'll get together again soon. I'll have Johnny, uh, he's my people, talk to your people, and we'll work it out. <laughs> but one day we got to have you in studio because it just it changes it changes the whole feel of it. It makes it so much more fun. Right. So you save ten, 20 minutes making the phone calls when you come in. <laughs> Sounds like a plan. Okay. All right. Thanks again. Take, Take care of yourself. Take care, bro, bye -bye. President Adams. That's it. That was that was fantastic. That was a great I that was a great call. I'm glad he spent so much time with us. Did Wanna you play a round of applause? Did I you think... play Hail to the Chief? No. But you know, John. Round of applause. A round of not Hail to the Chief. No. You sure it's not on there? I don't think it's on I, there. I think it is. Do you want me to try to find it? No, is it right there? Not right there. We don't have hail to the chief. I would. We always play hail the to the chief, chief in the room. We always we play hail to the on chief. The phone. Yeah, we got the deputy, the chief. There's no soundtrack for the deputy and oh, the president. Man. I don't think we have it. No, that was a great. Uh, that was a great job. He always does a good job coming on, no, talking to us, and very, very uh, upfront. Uh, very upfront, and I, you know what? I really appreciate that because I think sometimes. Sometimes people are not people up are front. not upfront, yeah. but usually when they come on the radio, they're upfront. No, it's well, we're very disarming. I think we can be. I think we can be. He didn't see us, which I also think he may have been threatened by our presence, but just hearing our voices. Well, yeah. <laughs> good, <laughs> good call, though. Thanks, He's a great Jim. call. Did you, you appreciate that? I liked it. All Thank right. you for finally getting him through. I don't know how I did it, <laughs> but I did it. Yep.
sort of, and it sounded good. It yeah, sa- it sounded good to me, much better than Gersh. Gersh must have been in a tunnel or something. I, I don't know. know. He's on. I, Gersh has very bad phone service. Okay. Hmm. Yeah, he uses. Uh, he's got strings and uh, and and toilet paper a rolls. Cup, a, two plastic cups. Yeah, that's what's basically what he's what he's using. But listen, I think uh, I think we're going to wrap it up for today. Yeah. I want to thank Bor- Bor- President Adams for coming on the show. I want to thank uh, Gersh Kunstman for giving us a call. And then we cut him off immediately. Good sport, though. He's a good sport. He is. But it's, you know, some people appreciate we cut him off. Yeah, I mean. Some people are upset that we cut him off. But, you know, it goes both ways. I want to thank uh, Tony Rotuno. Deputy. Thank you. Doing a great job. I want to thank Johnny. Working hard on the board and stuff with squeaks and squeals. (laughs) Doing the best I can. Telephones with answering machines and all sorts of things that we don't need. And I want to thank my sponsors, the Atlantic Bagel Company. The best chicken three salad stores sandwich in, in New Jersey. Get three, your bagel three holes. Three in Monmouth County, New Jersey. <laughs> and we'll see you next week. Bye.